Well, if you've been with us the last handful of weeks, we have been in a series called The Road Less Traveled, and we've been talking about money and church. Can you believe that? Money and church. But here's the deal. If you have not liked the series, you cannot disregard the fact that that has been an awesome video. And so we have uh, enjoyed over the last few weeks being together and just want to real quickly remind you what the premise of the Road Less Traveled series is all about. Uh, Jesus has an encounter uh, with a man and you see that in uh, three of the four gospels. So Matthew writes about it, Mark writes about it, and Luke writes about it. And uh, they all tell us about a rich young ruler who approaches Jesus. And through the conversation they have together, Jesus ends up saying this, Oh, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And then he says, for it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And in week one, we all took a great big sigh and we were so thankful because we were like, oh good, we could go to heaven because we're not rich. But over the course of that week, we decided very quickly that we indeed are exceedingly and abundantly rich. Not only are we rich in mercy through Jesus and the cross and what he's done through his son, but friends, we are rich through material possessions. We are among the top one or 2% of the world's most wealthy people. And so over the course of the last few weeks, we have determined that Jesus really does care about what we do with our money and materials. Matter of fact, Jesus would spend a third of his time teaching on money and material possessions. And the reason why is because there really is no greater adversary to Jesus than money. A matter of fact, Jesus says uh, that you and I cannot love both God and money, that we will either love one or we will despise the other. And so as we have talked about this over the last few weeks, we have talked about what it looks like to understand what Jesus was saying. And here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying that he has a problem with wealth, but Jesus has a problem with misplaced worship. So Jesus doesn't have a problem with wealth. He has a problem with misplaced worship. So what he's saying is, is that it's not money that's the problem. It's the people behind the money. It, it, money is neutral. It's not sinful. People are sinful. And so because of our sin problem, oftentimes we mismanage the resources that God has given us. And so we've just talked about that in great depth over the last few weeks. If you have missed it, please go back and watch all of that series. It will help you. It is a pastor promise that this would be beneficial to you. And so please go back and check it out. And so here's what we want you to understand is that God has a problem when our hearts are not aligned with him. And the ways that we understand our hearts are not aligned with him is when we are not content to live with what he's given us. And so last week we talked about how we practice contentment. Contentment is simply this, is understanding that our life is more about people than it is about possessions. It's about building into things that will far outlast us, that we would have eternal investments. And so as we think about that, how do we get to the point where we're able to have eternal investments? How is it that we're able to put people above possessions? How is it that we're able to put relationships above riches? And here's how it happens. It happens when we give God first of what's his, that we give him the first fruits, when we save second, because saving second begins to build wealth. And when thirdly, we begin to live on the rest. That's what teaches us contentment. And so the idea of the whole series is to put God first in all things, to not have other idols, people, possessions in front of him, that we would live uh, for 
him, that we would make eternal investments that make a difference for all of eternity, that far outlive us, that far outlive the money that we have built, the fame, the notoriety, and all the things that we have. And then that we begin to steward those. And steward is simply a manager of God's resources. And we manage those best when we give to him what's rightfully his, when we save wisely, second, and thirdly, when we live on the rest. And that's teaching contentment. And so because of contentment, uh, we are able to understand how God uses us. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to look just briefly at what Paul is writing to the, uh, the church in Corinth. Uh, and he simply says this um, as he's talking to them. He goes, you've made a commitment to be uh, generous. And so how do I help you maintain that commitment? How do I help you to bless other churches and how do I help you to stay uh, apprised of the commitments that you have made? Because God loves generosity and he loves it when people bless other people. Throughout the entire New Testament, you see churches giving and blessing other churches. And so Paul is just reminding this church in Corinth of the commitment they made. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, he comes blatantly out and he says, hey, here's the point. The point is, whoever sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So the idea is this, uh, in a farming community in that day and time, those that sow lots of seed get lots of a harvest. So the idea is simply the same here. For those of you that you like gardening in the spring, uh, just like the Jews did back in that day and time, what you do is you scatter a bunch of seeds in your garden, and the more seeds you scatter, the more fruit you will acquire. And we don't acquire fruit just for our own benefit, but we do that so that we will take care of our needs, and then ultimately, so that we would be able to provide for the needs of others. Matter of fact, in that day and time, think about it, when a farmer would have fruit because he sowed lots of seed, he would get an abundance of a harvest. He would give God what was rightfully his first. He would save some up for the winter second, and then he would give the rest away and he would live on it as contentment. And that's really the goal. And so Paul says, hey, that's what it looks like. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. Meaning if you don't want a big harvest, then don't scatter a lot of seeds. But if you want a big harvest, then scatter as much as possible, reaping a great reward. And so one of the greatest toils uh, that we'll have is sowing seed. It's difficult. But the more you see, uh, sow, the more that you have the potential to reap in the future. And that's the principle that is, is here. If you want to make an eternal difference and you want to see an impact that far outlasts and exceeds you in your life, then you should sow much seed. And one of the greatest ways we sow seed is through our generosity. Paul goes on in verse seven, he says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. So here, Paul simply is saying, he goes, okay, if you're going to sow in a fashion in which you're going to see a huge reward, then you do so when you're not reluctant when you're not trying to keep some back from you. But he says also just be warned. And here's the warning. The warning is, is that you and I should decide in our own hearts what we should give. Now you're here today and you go, oh, great. Thank you. Because every time I go to church, all they're doing is asking for my, say it with me. They're all they want is my money. 
All they want is your money. If that's what you think about the church, then sometimes um, you've missed it. And here's why. Because here at Stone Point, our goal is never to guilt you into giving. Matter of fact, the reason that I am encouraging you to give graciously is because it honors God. Yes, it honors God. It allows you to build wealth God's way. And when you build wealth God's way, then it's a blessing. And when it's a blessing, then guess what? You're able to do all of this with great joy and gratitude in your heart. And so, so many of us, we give reluctantly or under compulsion. But God loves it when we do the opposite, and that's give out of gratitude. Matter of fact, that's what makes a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver is one who's sowing seeds of gratitude through their giving to God and the local church, seeing that God would give a bountiful harvest in return. And so what I'm trying to help you see is if that one, if one of the reasons you don't like giving to the church is because the church has guilted you into it, please understand you have to get... You don't have to give anymore. Matter of fact, you give when you've decided in your heart what it is you should give. Now, do I believe it's the best practice of giving to God? Yes. Do I believe that you should be guilted into it? No. And so if you feel guilted, then please stop giving until you can get to the point where you can give to God with a grateful and generous, and even as the scripture says here, a cheerful heart. And then verse eight, says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So the bottom line here is this, is that God is sufficient. That if you'll trust him, if you will scatter seeds, allow the harvest to return to you, that you'll give back to God with a cheerful heart. He says, I'll provide for you. And that's what he says. He goes, with all sufficiency, you will have all you need in all things, even at all times, meaning God will not let you down on this. The bottom line is when you sow seeds into eternity through the local church and you're giving, God says, I'm gonna, I promise you that I'm gonna give you a great reward. And here's what's interesting. The reason that we plant seeds in our garden is not to keep all the fruit. It's not that we need bigger barns. So it's not a prosperity theology. We're not sowing seeds to manipulate God to get more fruit. No, we sow seeds so that we can, what? Give God first, save second, live on the rest and share in abundance. My friends, the greatest gardeners and farmers are the ones who are known by giving lots of fruit away. That's what churches should be known for. We should be known because we give lots of fruit away. And so let me just tell you, uh, today as we talk about this area of tithing, I want to just say that your tithing and your giving to God really does matter. And I want to tell you why. Here in just a second, I'm going to give you a, a sneak peek to the behind the scenes areas that we steward things here at Stone Point. Before we do that, I want to just remind you that last week I, I asked you to make a commitment. And one of the commitments was that you would begin giving. That for some of you, you would start giving something. That others of you would start giving significantly, a percentage of what you make that others you would get to where we would call a tithe challenge. And yet others of you that you would go above a tithe and you tithe and you would begin to give extravagantly over and above 10%. Because I don't believe that a tithe is the end result or the goal for a Christian. I believe that's really a, a basic beginning point. I think Jesus and his teaching says, hey, we can be extravagant in lots of ways, but here's the deal. I'll tell you that a tithe pleases God. It honors him well. And so for you in here, you go, well, how do I tithe? Well, let me just remind you 
Uh, let's just say that here you make $42,000. That's a little bit less than the median income in Van Zandt County. But let's just happen to say you make $42,000. Well, here's a tithe. Tithe is 10% of that. So it would basically break it down from $42,000 to $4,200. And then it takes it over your, your pay scale. And so for some of us in here, we get paid twice a month. Others of us, we get paid every two weeks, every other Friday. And let's just say you get paid 26 times a year. That means that every time you get a paycheck, you would take that amount and you'd give 10%, which would equate basically to $161.53. $161.53. And you would give that to the local church and you would ask God to help the church to steward it well. And then you would sit back and you would pray that God would use it as an investment for eternal impact. That's the goal, that it would far outlive yourself. What an incredible investment to make, something that goes beyond you. And that's why we give, because we trust God with what we're going to give him first. We save second, wisely, building wealth. And then thirdly, we live on the rest with teaches contentment. And church, that's how you build wealth. And you'll do that over time. You'll have money, materials, and wealth, and God will bless you mightily. Matter of fact, let me just share a story with you that I got um, just this last week. Uh, and it simply says this, uh, last April... My husband and I were in a financial mess. I was working from home, but it wasn't enough to make ends meet. My husband's job had slowed down considerably for some reason, and we were behind on truck payments as well as behind on our mortgage payment by two months. We were not stewarding God's resources or our money very well. Now, I knew how to work hard. I'd done it all my life. I had come from a long line of farmers and one heck of an electrician. So I knew how to roll up my sleeves. And my husband and I had talked about me going back for some time, but he really didn't want me to. But I prayed, God, if you want me to go back to work, please help me to find a job. And when I do, please help me to find someone that'll pay me well. On Monday night, uh, a year ago in April, my husband's truck was repossessed during regeneration on Monday nights. It happened so fast that no one could do anything but watch. One of our region leaders saw it all take place and found me. Uh, he kindly broke the news to me, but I was so embarrassed and so sad. As a result, I started looking for works, uh, for work uh, through local ads. I sent my resume to a local company and I scoffed at the amount of money they told me I could make. I didn't realize that my efforts could be that lucrative, but I began working. And even during my six week training, they paid me very well just to jump on board. And they were right. I work six days a week now and I've come such a long way. Uh, we have recently decided to trust God through our giving. Growing up, I watched my Paul write a weekly tithe check to the church. And I will admit that at times I was very envious. I couldn't understand that there were times when he would write a tithe check to the church when our family was in such need. But now as I look back at his faithfulness, I can clearly see the blessings he received from, from being obedient to God. So in the past, I always believed in giving to the local church, but I always did it when I had extra. But now I have committed to tithe regularly. Since my embarrassing moment last April, my husband and I have managed to save $12,000 in our savings and we are obedient to give. Never have we had so much money. It feels like I'm rolling around in millions. 
I've been able to help others as well. And I'm so thankful and grateful for what God has done through my life and finances. See, friends, that's what it looks like when we begin to give graciously and we begin to steward God's resources well. I had one other friend who wrote to me as well after a conversation that we had last weekend in our lobby. Uh, He wrote and he said, we have a saying around our house. It's even a sign that reads, simplify your life. Uh, Before we put God first in our family and in everything, uh, even in our obedience, our household was chaotic. Uh, When it comes to what we feel God wants for us in our obedience, I can honestly say uh, that we have received quite a few blessings from God and the ability to bless others. Matter of fact, the chaos in our house went out the window when we began to be disciplined through our obedience to live for God and to tithe regularly. It hasn't always been easy, especially when the kids were young. But like you said last Sunday, start giving something and start somewhere. That's what we did. And about six years ago, when we started tithing regularly, we have seen God bless abundantly. It's funny, I think back on my salary at work, and my pay has not increased in the last six years that I've been giving to God. But because we've been content to live, we have more retirement and savings in our savings account fund than we've ever had any other time financially. We don't have to live like a lot of other people, which is paycheck to paycheck like we used to. And we pretty much have everything paid off except for our house. Four or five years ago, we were doing a study in Journey Group. And at one point, uh, my wife became convicted on not being able to give on her pay. My wife um, doesn't earn a whole lot, uh, but she does feel led to lead, uh, to give on her income as well. Her income fluctuates weekly. She doesn't get paid vacation or sick leave, but she took a step of faith and she committed to God to give. And with God's faithfulness and her obedience, she's never been short on contributing to our uh, expenses as well as her weekly tithing. She's able to uh, increase her tithe amount twice over that same time period. Now, with everything said, my wife and I occasionally ask ourselves, why is it that we're so blessed? When will tragedy or hard times finally hit us? Why have I never lost my job or been laid off? Is it okay that we gather and accumulate so much stuff or things? Because all of it just reminds me that we're so blessed. And then he says this, we know that it can all be taken away from us at any time because it all belongs to God. See, what he just said is everything we own is on loan from God. And that, my friends, is when we can have peace. Is knowing that God has blessed us, but everything we have is his and we should steward it well. He goes on to write, He says, wow, Brandon, since writing this note to you, you're not going to believe what happened. My boss pulled me into the office this Wednesday, the 25th, at about nine o'clock in the morning, he gave me an unexpected and very substantial pay increase. Remember, as I mentioned earlier, since I began giving to God in the last six years, I have had no pay increase. Well, I got it on Wednesday morning and I walked out of the office and I thanked God and I shook my head and in God's timing, I just say, wow, wow. And he says, I promise, Brandon, I'm not making this stuff up. I called my wife shortly after, I choked back the tears and I told her the good news. Brandon, is God not awesome? to see what he's done just between our conversation and the lobby last Sunday between services. See, my friends, that's what it looks like to be obedient. 
you hear two incredible God-fulfilled stories there. Stories are you have to work and you have to produce wealth, but then you steward it well. And we steward it well. Remember, when we give to God first, that builds trust. When we save second wisely, that builds wealth. And when we are content to live on the, on the rest, that's what God wants. And I'll tell you, I think we practice the same thing at Stone Point. And so I just want to share with you some ways that you're investing for all of eternity. Remember, the goal of our giving is not to build bigger barns and to keep it all for ourselves, but it's to give things away so that it makes an eternal impact. And so here's the eternal impact that you're making through your giving at Stone Point. And I just want you to get ready to cheer and give the Lord a hand in a handful of areas. Our mission here at Stone Point has always been to connect people to God, to others, and service and the world. And uh, our goal is to see people connect to God. Matter of fact, next weekend, you're going to celebrate with people who are going public with their faith and baptism. If you haven't signed up, you can do so at events.stonepointchurch.com. And you can get registered for, uh, for a public display of your faith through Jesus and baptism celebration. Don't sleep in. Don't miss that. Why? Because it's an opportunity to see the eternal impact you're making through your giving. As we're going to see lots of people go public with their faith in Jesus this year. And so make a commit to, commitment to be here. Uh, we have seen people make commitments of their faith through various ministries. Uh, we're going to be celebrating with people who have committed their life to Jesus through our regeneration ministry, which is happening on Monday nights. Uh, and we uh, have seen uh, you uh, do uh, amazing things uh, through your giving towards that ministry. We've seen lots of lives impact. Uh, impacted. Uh, we have seen 32 plus journey groups uh, that have been building into one another and growing in their community with one another. We have students and kids ministries uh, that are, are not only growing, but they're meeting together on a regular basis. And we just want to remind you uh, that what is God is doing there is an incredible thing. And so uh, they're going to be celebrating camps soon. As a matter of fact, we're going to put a couple of pictures out there of just uh, student and kids camp from last year and the eternal impact that's being made through your giving to those ministries. Uh, Merge is a, a ministry that we started last spring and uh, we've actually done three Merge courses uh, over the course of the last year. And we've had over 20 couples uh, go through our premarital counseling on Thursday evenings. And it's been an incredible blessing to see how we're partnering with people before they get married, before they even say, I do, on building not only obedience to God through their marriage, but also through financial wealth and um, through financial obedience. Uh, financial Peace University, we taught people last year, last spring, how to build wealth and to get out of debt and how we live in contentment. We saw 30 plus families begin to live in ways that please God and ultimately uh, produce savings and giving. Uh, our re-engage ministry is something that's kicked off recently. And we see 45 plus couples that are devoted to uh, continuing to build into their marriage and their relationship with their spouse. And it's an incredible uh, picture of what God is doing in our church through all of these ministries. And all these ministries cost thousands and thousands of dollars to do in the local church. And it's a blessing for us to be able to do them here. Uh, this last year, we also challenged you uh, with the Advanced 2020 Initiative, a resource initiative to 
uh, help expand uh, our Wills Point campus and to build a new campus in Edgewood, as well as to expand our missional outreach efforts into the year 2020. And so we uh, asked our church to give a commitment of uh, 800 plus thousand dollars. And to date, we have uh, have commitments of over $830,000 over the next three years. Four months in, we now have, through the initial giving and your monthly commitments, uh, right at $300,000 saved up for the uh, initiative and for the advanced 2020 resources that we are going to begin soon. Now, just real quickly, let me just take a break here and just just tell you that these projects on the Wills Point campus and on the Edgewood campus are about to begin. And so we uh, have been making a handful of tweaks and changes uh, on the Wills Point campus. There's been a couple of significant changes with our architects that are going to produce even a better plan than what we presented last September. And we cannot wait uh, to see what God does as we expand not just uh, our ability to have more space for kids and regeneration and uh, other resources through student ministry, et cetera, as we give them a bigger large group space and more rooms. And we're actually going to even have a potential to expand our worship space. And so I cannot wait for that. I think it was a really wise idea. Unfortunately, it came a little later in the game than we would have liked, but it was a, a brilliant catch by one of the guys on our staff named Dick Patterson. So if you don't like the plan, just thank him for it. Uh, we're excited about that. And through Advance 2020, we're about to begin digging soon. And so if you're in the Edgewood campus and you're continuing to be faithful by setting up chairs and tearing down week in and week out, and I know you're exhausted, listen, stay the course. You're making an impact for eternity and it's not going to be long. In a couple of months, we're going to begin digging. And so it's right around the corner. The money's there. We ask that you continue to make an investment into Advance 2020 if you haven't already done so, or if you uh, will continue to do so, God is going to use that in a mighty, mighty way. Connecting to the world. Over the last just nine months, we've given $69,905.89 just to, dis uh, to disperse uh, through missions and through different areas of uh, our organizations, through strategic partners, through benevolence, etc. Matter of fact, in the uh, Last nine months in benevolence, we've given $15,080 out to families who had a medical need or a, uh, a need in their house, um, needed heating or air or lights turned on or water to run again or something uh, that was just a financial investment. You're helping accomplish that through the local church. And remember, the church is not a building, but it's a people. And this is you. You're a part of this. Uh, matter of fact, uh, that doesn't include the $10,000 of tornado relief in Canton that we made just last year as we assisted with um, lots of families and not only uh, cleaning up debris, but partnering with them, uh, giving away gift cards, cases of water um, to families and to volunteers. We fed hundreds of volunteers on multiple occasions. We cleaned lots and debris, dispersed people uh, in multitudes. Matter of fact, the morning of, we canceled church last year uh, on, in the building and we sent them out to be the church and to the world. And we had hundreds of volunteers go across the county and it was an incredible thing. We donated over 500 cases of water. We donated more tarps and more toiletries and more toilet paper and napkins and toothbrushes than you could count. And you all were a part of that. It was an incredible thing. Over the last year, we've invested over $2,500 in our local schools just through uh, convocations and encouraging teachers through sonic drinks and other means. We are being the church and you, my friends, are helping do that. 
We have given to Mana Food Bank over the last uh, year, and uh, we are one of the biggest givers in to Mana out of all of the county. And we are looking to increase our funds this next year. We love what God is doing through the obedience of Mana Food Bank uh, in our county. We are excited to see all the thousands of pounds that they give away each month as they supply food to over 300 families. 50% of those are in desperate need of the food that they, they acquire from that ministry. Matter of fact, if they didn't get food from manna, they may not have much to eat that month. And so you are contributing to something special like that. Uh, the Mexican Indian Training Center in Mexico, a partnership that we've had um, there is uh, we have seen God use the Mexican Indian Training Center to equip students to disciple and train them and then send them out to church plant and to start new works all across Southern Mexico. It is an amazing thing to see that in person, but also to partner with dozens of people as they've gone and seen that ministry for themselves and they've gotten their hands dirty and they have tangibly met and prayed and equipped students and done an amazing thing. And it is a really cool investment that is happening. But let me tell you about one other one. One other investment that we are making and I am excited about is at Hope Pregnancy Resource Center here in our county. Um, I had the privilege to sit down uh, with uh, the leaders at Hope Pregnancy Resource Center last month as we had a lunch together and heard about all that God was doing. And we have been making plans to prepare just to give you some uh, some insight as to what's going on there. And we're going to do that here in just a minute. But let me just explain why this is an eternal impact. Um, over 60 million babies have been aborted since Roe versus Wade in 1973. Um, that means that there's over 3,600 babies being aborted um, each day. Matter of fact, by the time that we say uh, you're dismissed from this service this morning, 152 children will have been aborted. And so if you can kind of begin to wrap your mind around this, in Psalm 139, it says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It means that we all have life and dignity and value. And we believe that from the very time that you're conceived in your mother's womb, that you have dignity and value in the eyes of the Lord. And we want to help children live. And we're doing that through financial giving as we are one of the greatest contributors to uh, Hope Pregnancy Resource Center in the county through the local church. And I just want to continue to invest in that. And I want to say thank you for making such an impact. Matter of fact, this last year, they had over 250 sonograms performed on clients. Over 50 uh, people came to faith in Jesus this last year through hope. Three made recommitments and dedications of their faith through their hope in Jesus. They have a 99% success rate through their sonograms, meaning that out of all the people they counseled, there was only one abortion that took place through the clinic. And when I say through the clinic, I don't mean through the clinic. I'm saying one that chose not to take the advice of the clinic. I want you to understand that what God is doing is an amazing thing. And I'll tell you um, that you should give to these efforts. I believe that they're making a difference. I believe that you can sow seeds into eternity. And so real quickly, let me just tell you here at Stone Point, there's two ways that you can give. One of the ways that you can give is through online giving. That's how my wife and I do it. We recur our gifts every single week. And I uh, just encourage you that if you want to give, that you can do that. If the other way is that you would uh, simply um, begin giving through our offering boxes. That means on your local campus that you would give and you can drop a tithe uh, check or cash or whatever. But we want to encourage you to give. Why? Because it's making a difference. 
And here's our commitment. Our commitment is that if you would say that you would begin to give to God and to his local church, that God's going to use it. And he's going to use it to make eternal impacts that far outlive you. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. Listen, if you're not giving, I want you to start giving something. If you are giving something, I want you to start giving significantly. Find a percentage that you're comfortable with and start giving. There's others of you, though, that I want you to get to a threshold, a 10%, a tithe, and I want you to begin giving obediently to him. And here's the deal. If you will say, I'm going to make a commitment, like my friend that wrote me earlier, and you'll say, I'm going to make a commitment to giving to God, and I want him to bless our family as I give to him first, as we build wealth second, and we live with contentment on the rest then we want to partner with you here at Stone Point by taking a 90-day tithe challenge. And here's the 90-day tithe challenge. It's simply this. If you'll make a commitment to go to one of our leaders uh, at the connection point at the end of our service, find one of our staff, find me, whoever it is, and say, I want to take the challenge. At the end of 90 days, if you will, if you will give the first roots to God, you'll save wisely by helping us build a budget with you and live contently on the rest then at the end of 90 days, if God hasn't used that to steward your resources well and to bless you in ways that you cannot understand, then we will give 100% of what you give to Stone Point back to you. If you're here and you go, I can trust God with that, but Brandon, I just think that you've got false sense of motives here, then listen, take that money and give it to another local church. Continue to come here and receive all the blessings that you would like here. I don't want anything from you. Matter of fact, I'm convinced that God doesn't want anything from you, but he wants something for you. And so may we just help you be obedient to what God has called you to do. Friends, we love you. And as we end today, I pray that your hearts would be encouraged by the hope of the gospel and by the work that's going on at Hope Pregnancy Resource Center here in our county through the investments of eternity that you are making. I love you. I am blessed by you. Remember, if I didn't work here, I would go to church here. I love our church. I love you. Now let's get to giving and being obedient to make God famous throughout the world. We love you, church.